So we're going to continue our sermon series through Ephesians today. Um, it's a very important message. Paul's going to begin to talk about the new life. So when we are living not following Jesus, when we are not putting our faith in Christ, we have an old way of doing things. We are an old man, the scriptures talk about. What happens when you start following Jesus is he calls you to be a new man. Become more like himself and he gives us all the parameters, all the commands through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can walk in that newness of life. So today we're going to talk about that we're chosen for sexual holiness. Did everyone just take a gulp? I think it's very important that the church understands the parameters that God lays down for sexual holiness. And I think a lot of pastors, preachers, they're scared. They're scared to talk about it. They're scared maybe for a few reasons. One, they, they feel like it will empty the seats maybe. Two, they feel like people will be upset with them. Three, they're afraid to be uncomfortable. But a good shepherd and a good pastor and a good spiritual dad cares for his children enough to tell them what's holy before God because he wants good things in their life. Amen? So my daughter, she's 11 years old now, and she's at that age now where they're going to start sex ed. So I'm sweating, I'm panicking, I'm saying, come on now. This is my little girl. I know we're going to, we've had a few preliminary talks about sex, but trying to contextualize it to her age, you know, because you want to just build up to that. You know, we probably had a talk when she was younger to make sure that she would be on guard against any sexual predators. So you should be talking to your kids about that, right? Make sure they're on guard against any sexual predators. And then she turned about eight or nine years old, and we figured we just had a Baker's foundational talk. She really had no idea what the heck we were talking about. But we basically used, said the word sex for the first time. Me and Natalie had panic attacks, but we kept having a meeting. So we, we talked a little to her about that. But all of a sudden, she's 11 years old now, and she's going to be in a sex ed class where they're going to be talking about things like puberty and growing and sex and these kind of things. And we said, we want to make sure that we are rightly shepherding her and loving her and teaching her what is holy when it comes to sex before God, right? Wouldn't any loving dad want to do that? You don't want to assume that your kid knows what's right. Too many parents assume that the kid knows what's right, and then they get into all kinds of sexual sin and sexual promiscuity and all these kind of things because they're learning from the culture. And the culture basically teaches you, do whatever your heart desires, to be sensual. Whatever your sexual appetite you have, fulfill it. There's no parameters. There's no parameters because you decide what the parameters are. What we need to know as Christians is that God has laid down the parameters because he loves us, because he cares about this world, because he cares about his church, and he gives us rules when it comes to sex to protect us and to protect those around us. And as I told, we talked to Talia. Of course, her mother talked to her about the lady things. I was glad to leave the room at that point. But I talked to her, and we talked to her just about how God had created sex to between be between a man and a woman inside the covenant of marriage. And she's so funny because she's so mature for her age. She's like, I know that, Dad. I understand. Now, she didn't understand fully, but she's saying that makes sense because a boy 
came up to her in school and said, I know how babies are made. I'll get them. He said, I know how babies are made. Like he wanted to talk about it, that dirt dog. And she said, I think this is a conversation we should be having with our parents. Moving on. I said, so happy right now, Talia. You get it. You get the maturity level. You get that you've been set apart for sexual holiness. So let's read that scripture today, Ephesians 4. We're going to read Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off the old self which belongs to, to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. So I want you guys to hear this. You've been chosen. You've been set apart for sexual holiness. This is what we were teaching Talia. Me and Natalie, we're saying, listen, the world is going to be acting like this sexually. They're going to be telling you everything's all right. They're going to be teaching this. But God has given his people the way we should live when it comes to sexual holiness. It should be a man and a woman inside of marriage. But the thing that hit me inside this text was, Paul said, assuming that you already know and have learned this in Christ. And it hit me. Some of us have not learned what God taught through the scriptures when it comes to sex. It hit me. I can't assume that everyone in this day and age, because pastors many times are cowards, know what are the se what's sexually holy. Because culture teaches you something from the ground up, on TV, from day one, in school. They teach you that this is okay and that's okay, when it could be an abomination before God. We do not want culture to be our pastor. We do not want culture to be our shepherd. We want Jesus to be our shepherd when it comes to this. Amen? So we're going to take a quick walk because I don't want to assume. And this is what I want you to hear. Some people get um, some people get scared when the pastor starts doing it because they think the pastor is against them. I am not against you guys. I'm with you guys. I know there's a real struggle out there. I know it's tempting. I know it's hard. And I'm preaching this message because I love you. Because I want the best for you. Please don't hear me up here against you or pointing fingers. Hear me up here pointing to Jesus and sexual holiness as a good shepherd loving his people and saying, I want the best for you. I want the best for you. That's why I'm preaching this message. So we're going to take a walk through. What happens? Let me give you a short, short trip through redemption here. God creates the earth. He creates Adam and Eve perfect to love each other. They're perfectly compatible emotionally, spiritually, physically. He creates two perfect image bearers of God to enjoy each other sexually. That's holy. God performs the first marriage. He's there as the minister. Man and woman, let's get married. He creates sex. He's the God of sex. Does everyone understand that? Because Christians get weird. You said sex? God created sex. He designed it for pleasure and procreation. Sex is a fantastic thing inside of marriage. Inside of marriage. 
But what the church has done in the past in history is they try to put parameters on sex that weren't in the Bible, right? They said you couldn't have sex on certain days. What's that all about? Please give me scripture and verse on that one. You couldn't have sex in certain positions. Where the heck? You guys got too much time on your hands if you're thinking through this stuff, right? They started putting parameters on sex that weren't in the Bible. What I want you to see today is what God says about sex when it comes to his com commands of sexual holiness. So we have no more excuse to be naive because I think many people are um, confused. Many people in the body of Christ are confused when it comes to sexuality, when it, confused when it comes to sexual holiness. They really don't know where they stand on it. And in a culture that's putting constant pressure on you to conform to that image and conform to that culture, some of us are buckling under the pressure in our own desires. Am I speaking truth here? It's tough out there because the enemy's at work, because our sinful desires at work, and he's breaking down the body of Christ through this. So we're going to take a simple walk. God creates man perfectly. Man falls, right? Everything starts to fall. He starts worshiping other gods. He becomes violent. He kills each other. Sex gets perverted. No more sexual parameters. We are our own God. We make our own call. God comes through. He chooses Abraham. Does everyone remember that? He said, I'm going to choose a nation that's holy unto me. And this nation is going to be totally different from the world. The way they love, the way they act, the way they worship, and the way they have sex is going to be totally different from the way the world does it because I am the God, I am holy, and my people will be holy. They get in bondage in, Israel, in uh, Egypt, right? Egypt's a world power at that time. They're in bondage for 400 years. God raises up a man, Moses, who delivers them from Egypt. And then God comes to his people and speaks audibly, audibly to them in a very unique, fantastic, miraculous way and says, this is how you, my people, are called to be holy, are supposed to behave sexually. And so I want to give you the layout here because some of us are confused. Some of us don't know. And in this message today, so the sun does a few things. The sun melts the ice and it hardens the clay. So I, pr I pray today that you're, if you're in sexual sin, that your heart melts with the gospel and you repent and find forgiveness in Jesus. But I hope many of you don't become hard and say, no, I will not conform to the image of Jesus. I will not listen to the word of God because it's an abomination before the Lord, right? And we want to live holy. We want to live holy. So Leviticus 18 is the first time you see God lay out all the sexual parameters, right? The first time. And I want to give you everything that he says is sexual sin. I want to give you everything he says is sexual sin so you guys know, because I don't want to assume you know. The first thing he says in Leviticus 18, I want to read the whole chapter because we'll have to break that whole thing. There's a lot of scriptures going to be coming at you today. The first thing God says is sin is incest, right? He says incest is a sexual sin. And I'm going to read all these verses to you. Deuteronomy 27:22. it says, Cursed be anyone who lies with his sister, whether the daughter of his father or the daughter of his mother, and all the people shall say amen. So they weren't even sad. They weren't even, I'm sorry, they weren't embarrassed about the command of God. They're saying, this is sexual sin. Can I get an amen? Like the people weren't afraid of it. No one shall do this. Let all the congregation say amen. Everyone was in agreement with God when he said these things. The, then, the second we see in 1 Corinthians 5.1, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not even tolerated even among pagans who don't believe in God, for a man has his father's wife. Now, how messed up is this in, in Corinthians? A Christian church. Paul writes to church, and a man has taken his father's wife in incest. 
He says, what are you guys doing? This is not how the people of God behave sexually. You do not do that. A, a, a son does not sleep with his father's wife. Paul needs to write that in the New Testament church because they're not following the law of God. So the first thing we see is incest is a sin. The second thing we see is adultery. It says you shall not lie sexually with your neighbor's wife. We see that in the Ten Commandments, the top ten, right out the gate, right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. And then Jesus says in Matthew 5, 28, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So some people think, right, that Jesus came to lower the law, right? Jesus didn't come to lower the law. We always preach grace here. What Jesus came to do was make sure we knew the, the law was internal. Because people going around, okay, I'm not going to physically commit adultery, but I'll do all kind of fantasizing inside here. Inside here. Jesus up the ante. Jesus up the ante. So adultery is sin. The third thing, homosexuality is a sin. It's not a gray area in the Bible. It is sin. He says to you in Leviticus 18, it starts when he lays down the parameters. It says, it says that a male should not lay, should not lie with a male as with a woman. And it's peppered through the whole Bible. Homosexuality is a sin. I need you to know this in a world that's teaching you something different. I need you to know that that is not sexually holy. And I'll give you the scriptures because some people say, well, that's Old Testament. Let me give you two New Testament verses right here for you. Romans 1, 26 and 28, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the Romans where that was a church in Rome that was, it was running rampant as far as in the culture. It says, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise, likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to debased mind to do what ought not to be done. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9, it says, or Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. That, I need you to hear this. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality will enter the kingdom of heaven. I just want you guys to hear from God, right? I don't want you to have Joey Thompson's opinion. That's the worst thing you could get. I need you to hear from God on these issues. And then you can either melt like ice, or you can harden your hearts toward God. That's what a shepherd's called to do, right? It's called to do. So we see right out the gate, we see that incest adultery, homosexuality, goes on to talk about bestiality. And I just want to give you everything here. It said, no man shall lie with an animal in that kind of way. Deuteronomy 27, 21. Cursed be anyone who lies with any kind of animal, and all the people say amen. The final thing, you see fornication. Not in this chapter, but peppered throughout the whole Bible. That you should not be having sex with someone before you are married. Culture is teaching you something different. I just want you to hear the unadulterated word of God today. I want you to hear this. 1 Corinthians 7.2, it says, because, But because of the temptation to be sexually immoral, each man should have his own wife, and each woman have her own husband. Paul is clearly stating, and it's peppered through, that no one should be sexually active, should be having sex with anyone who they are not committed to for the rest of their life, according to the law. No, I'm married in my heart. I'm married in my heart. You know how many people I've seen married in their heart, and they're married to someone else in their heart five years later? 
before God, before the government, sex before marriage is sin. Now keep remembering, I'm with you on this, but we need to hear the word of God so we can choose our response. Because each one of you has a right to choose how you respond. Each one of you. I'm not in control of your life, but it's my job to put that out there. And let's see how your heart responds to the word of God. Now, how do you respond? Let me say how I hope you respond. Let me say my hope. First of all, there's some people in here who live in sexually holy. I want to give you an amen. A big amen. I'd blow a trumpet if we had one. Because sometimes you get to these messages and you, it's just like, I'm not covering after anyone particular. I want to rejoice in the people who said, I'm going to do this God's way. I'm going to wait till I'm married. I'm going to enjoy sex inside of marriage. And I'm going to be a light to the world. One of the younger teenagers in our, um, in our church said, she said, it's crazy around here. There's so many healthy young couples. There's great young couples around here. You know how different that is from the world where they're te teaching promiscuity? To see young men and women married, being holy, honoring God, being part of the church community. All of a sudden you're light. I want you to have gratitude today if you're living like that. Because God has had a lot of mercy and grace on your life. And he's protected you from a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, and a lot of God dishonoring ark. You know? God dishonoring acts. The second group. I want you to have gratitude today that you're hearing this. And I want you to repent. You know, so some people are like, why is he talking about that? As if you can't repent on the spot. Why do people act like that? He said that he just messed up my life. No, you're making the decision to live in sin. You're messing up your own life, right? Don't blame it on, you know, like, oh, man. So I was having some intestinal issues. I won't get into it. They wanted me to go to the doctor. I'm like, I'm not going to the doctor. I hate the doctor. I hate the doctor. And they wanted to put me under. I can't be out of control and not know what's going on, right? Finally, I listened to the doctor and I went. And they did something on my test, and they looked through, and they found a polyp. It was a little tiny polyp. And they got it out of there. They removed it. But you know what the doctor said to me? Joey, good thing you listened to the doctor, listened to me, because if not, you could have been another statistic, because that could have turned cancerous. You're fine now, but that could have been cancerous. Some of you, I'm saying this today, I want to see this removed out of your life so you don't become another statistic. And some of you just thought about making doctor's appointments. Like, man, I should be going to the doctor. I want you to see this removed so you don't become another statistic. So it doesn't get in and destroy your life. I have, there's no sin that I've seen people forsake following Jesus more than sexual sin. Sexual sin causes more people to turn away from Jesus than any other act I've ever seen. They said, I'll be love, I'll love my neighbor, I'll do this. Don't tell me how to have sex. I'm out of here. I'm going to find a church that tells them what I want, tells me what I want to hear. I got itching ears. Please tell me more. Right? Remove that from your life. Watch God change your life. When you stop, and I'm speaking as a man who was sexually immoral at one point in my life. In high school, I was so promiscuous. I found my identity in that. I found my identity in that. Do you know how much I got made fun of when I decided... I'm not even kissing a girl till I'm going to get married. I kissed Natalie a little before we got married. What I'm saying is I decided I'm going to be holy. I said enough is enough. Enough is enough. Dudes were making fun of me like, I tell you all the time, he's been touched by an angel. That's what he used to say to me. 
I said, no, man, I'm taking this serious. I'm taking God's holiness serious. And I've been blessed. I'm married 12 years now. We've got two beautiful kids. Kids, you will be blessed when you walk sexually holy. You will be unsatisfied. You will have moments of pleasure because sin's fun. And I'm just going to talk that sex is fun. So if you're in sin and having sex, sometimes you're going to have fun. Ultimately, you're going to be unsatisfied and unhappy because you are dishonoring God and it's an abomination. Do you guys hear me? You know that's truth. You know I just spoke truth there. Please take that to heart. Please take that heart and repent today. Some of you believe the lie of the enemy. Now, I just want to read this because this is important. This one skeeds the enemy in the culture. Some of you believe the lie of the enemy that you cannot be sexually holy. Some of you have fell prey to the schemes of the enemy and deceitful desires and believe you were created to live in sexual immorality. Hear from me today, that is a lie. God has called you to walk in the light of obedience and freedom in Christ. You are not in bondage to sin. You are a new creation in Christ made to walk in new life that is pleasing to God. Some people buy the light. I can't do it. You can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can. You really can. I've seen people change their lives by the power of God, and they're so much happier than they ever were. Some of you might, this is the biggest thing I hear. A guy approached me in the gym this week because I knew I was talking to him. He was all pumped up, all jacked, and he wanted to talk to me. I don't know why. I'm not jacked. And so we're talking, and I said, uh, he said he goes to church in town, and a church in North Red, and I said, I, I go to a church, and I'm a pastor, and we began to talk. And he got riled up. He was like, yeah, man, all this stuff is going on. But I detected something because he was talking so passionately. I said, something ain't right here. Something ain't right. Not because he was passionate, but he was talking about something but not talking about other areas in his life. But then we got to, he said, do you have kids, child care? Because, you know, I invite everyone to church. I don't play around. And I said, yeah. I said, do you have, how many kids do you have? He said, and he got real low. He said, man, this is what I wanted to tell you. I've been living with a woman for five years. We love each other, but we won't get married because it'll mess up our health benefits. What? What? <laughs> you just chose health benefits over honoring God? Are you crazy? What do you worship? Not only people I talk to say, I'm not getting married because of this. We worship education. We worship money. We wor- worship God and everything will work out. I guarantee you, if you honor God, I said to him, I really felt, I said, listen, I'm going to be talking to you in five years. It's going to be the same story. And he laughed. He said, you're probably right. Do not, because of money, because of benefits, because of anything like that, put off being sexually holy. Honor God, and you'll see blessings in your life you can never imagine. Do you guys hear me? I'm giving you a gem and a treasure right there. Please listen to me. What would it look like if we all live in sexually holy? Right? Does everyone remember the sexual revolution? That really affected society in a sinfully sexually re- sexual way, right? It, it totally messed up society. Imagine if there was a holy sexual revolution. Imagine there was a holy sexual revolution where the men and women of God stood up and said, we are going to be sexually holy. Do you know how much you'll be a light in this world? Do you know how powerful that would be? I was reading an article of a woman who grew up in the 60s. And what happened was, everyone, from what I hear, I wasn't around then, it just was crazy. It was like the doors were ripped off, and everyone was just like, let's be sexually promiscuous. I was talking to a man in his 20s this week. He said, you won't believe what it's like out there today. He said, you do not understand. There are no parameters. He said, there's no... Now, I thought the parameters started to get gone when I was in high school. 
He said, Joe, you have no idea. And he was in sexual sin. So he's talking to me like I'm caught up in it. He says, you have no idea what it's like out there now. There's no restriction. There's no fear of God. There's none of that. But this woman said, what happened when there was such a change in the culture? She said, all of a sudden, the doors flew open. Everyone's being promiscuous. And she was promiscuous along with everyone else, men and women. And she said, and I want to read you her quote here. She said, with few exceptions, I was joyless, uncomfortable, and unsatisfied. With few exceptions. She said that whole era was uncomfortable, joyless, and I was unsatisfied. That's what sin, when it comes to sex, will do to you. It will leave you joyless, uncomfortable, unsatisfied. When you walk in holiness before God, you will be satisfied, you will find joy, and it will be real comfortable before God because you don't have to fight the conviction and the condemnation there. So I want to say these things to you guys. First of all, I'm always thank you to Restoration Road because you guys let me preach hard messages. You guys let me preach hard messages, and I'm thankful for that. And you keep coming back. I'm just waiting one day for just be preaching to Natalie. I want to say the first thing. Be on guard against sexual temptation. Be on guard. If there's people in your life that are leading you into sexual immorality, flee from them, the Scripture says. Flee from them. If there are people in your life that are leading you into environments or they themselves are leading you to sexual immorality, Flee for them. Some of you are secretly, lust is a serious problem in your life. You're hooked on pornography or maybe in a sexual relationship. Do you know that you can share that with me and I will pray for you and I'm with you and I won't judge you? You need to tell someone in your life, no, you can come to me because I'm with you. You don't have to suffer alone and you don't have to sin alone and allow that to destroy your life. Allow brothers and sisters to come in and fight that fight with you because you can overcome that addiction to pornography. You can. A lie is that you can't. Secondly, with all this said, I do not want anyone to hear that we want you to be hateful or discriminatory. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? People have lost, like, people think you have to celebrate sin in order to love the person. And in no other arena of life do we have to do that. We can be with Jesus and follow Jesus and live according to the word of God. And people who practice sexual sin, you can still love them but not celebrate the sexual sin. You guys know that's true. That's how we should live. There's fornicators in here. There's adulterers in here. There's people who practice homosexuality in here. You know that I've always treated you equal and always treated you with love. But never in my a point in my life as a pastor will I ever say it's okay to live like that. I will always call you to holiness because I love you. Just like I love Tally and I wanted to tell her, I love you guys, so I won't celebrate that sin. Everyone's welcome at Restoration Road. But you can't be a pastor if you're practicing sexual sin. You can't be a deacon if you're practicing sexual sin. You can't be a member. When I say member, you can come on Sundays and be part. But members really commit to making the church grow, giving them the time, the talents, and finding the saying, I'm a member, I'm with you. You can't be a member if you're in sexual sin because how dare we go against the word of God? How can we do that? We can't call ourselves a Christian church if we do that. We can't create God in our image. We're created in his image. He set the design. He tells us how to live. How prideful and arrogant enough if we ever thought different. You know, some of us think we're more loving because we approve of sexual sin. 
you're not more loving. You're more loving of yourself because more people will love you and be pleased with you and be pleased with your philosophy. You're really open. But you don't really love people if Jesus teaches that some sexual sin and you go clapping and celebrating it. You're walking with the darkness there. I think that people who practice sexual sin, whether it's fornication, adultery, homosexuality, should have human rights. I believe in human rights. I think a person should be able to get any job if they're in sexual sin. Fornication, homosexuality, uh, adultery. I think they have the human rights. We cannot, and please hear me now, we cannot impose our viewpoints on people who are not part of the church. If people don't believe in God, there is no morals. If people believe in other gods that allow them to be in sexual sin, everyone has the right to believe what they want to believe. We cannot impose the words of Jesus on people. You can't do it. You can't tell people they can't get a job because they're a fornicator. Because I, I believe in the separation of church and state. I believe in it. But what the parameters come when it comes to the church. The church cannot celebrate those things. The church cannot condone those things. Just to give you an example, when Joe went in for surgery, his doctor was homosexual. I was so thankful for that doctor. That doctor was so skilled, was so kind, and cared for Joe, and Joe's probably alive because of that doctor. Not one moment did I say, shouldn't be operating on my followers because I'm homosexual. No, she had a right to get that job, and she was really good at that job. Now, I can love her and be thankful for her, but I'm not going to celebrate homosexuality. Do you guys hear what I'm saying there? Do you see where love is there? There's nothing hateful there. You should never say a slur about anyone in sexual sin. You should never discriminate against someone who's in sexual sin. You should never be in a restaurant and say, look at them. They're in never do that to people. Never be a bully. Never be aggressive. Never do that. Never. But we can't celebrate it. We can't celebrate it because we have to stand with God and pray for people who are in sexual sin and love them, be kind for them, with, with them, spend time with them. Does that make sense, guys? That, that is so important. You know, because in our culture, like, well, my buddies who don't believe are getting married, know where they want me to go the night before the wedding? To the bachelor party. I'm not going. I'm not going to go and be part of that sexual sin. Who the heck gets the fornication out of their system the night before they're about to commit their life to someone? Does that even make sense? You think you got it out of your system that night? Guess what? The same guys are battling in marriage not to fantasize about other things. Right? What if you get invited to a gay marriage? Can't you love that person but lovingly say, I'm not going to go because I'm not going to celebrate that? If it's a real relationship, they'll understand your convictions. And you become a light in the world. I remember when I first started following Jesus, I was in an electrical shop. When you're in a tradesman's shop, anything goes. They start the day on the computer showing the porn from last night. Like all the guys are in there, ha, 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 And I'm like, I'm not going near that. And they all were like, who do you think you are, self-righteous warrior? I'm like, no, i just not going to do that. And this one guy, he was part of the cleaning crew. I'm walking down the thing, and I think he wanted to get to know me. So he said, listen. Come into, there were like locker rooms in a bathroom there. He said, come in, man, show you something. He just went down to South America, hit all the beaches, and they were all topless beaches down there. So he took a bunch of pictures, and I knew something was going down. I'm saying, what is this dude going to do? And we're sitting there, and he started breaking out new photos. I said, stop, put him away. I'm a Christian man. Do you know he got so convicted on the spot because he had been in church? 
raised in the church? He said, oh, shoot, man. Why'd you do this to me? I know I shouldn't be showing you these things. I ended up building a relationship with that guy, praying for his family, praying for his daughter when she was sick, and it was a light. When, you act, when you're sexually holy, you can love someone and still say no to the celebration, right? And you become a light to them, and it changes the world around you. We are chosen to be sexually holy. And the final thing, I want to give you a gospel assignment. Thank you. I, I estimated five to eight people were going to send their homework in last week. We got ten. We are moving on up. Ten people sent in their giftings, and it was awesome. Erica did it about 10.59 before I walked into the sanctuary. And I said, wow, we got the double digits last minute. Thank you so much for doing that. But this is the gospel assignment this week. Um, I'm not going to make you write anything but do homework, but coming from messages like this and hearing the scriptures like this, I want you to really think about the words that were said. And if you are in sexual sin, I want you to hear the gospel today. I don't want you to be condemned. Your sexual sin from the time of repentance and the work of Jesus is forgotten. It's forgotten. I don't want you leaving here condemned. But for those who the Holy Spirit's convicting you, let today be a day that defines your life and you walk in sexual holiness, even if it's making tough decisions in your life. So during your prayer time, I want you to take these words of Scripture and what was said today and say, if there's sexual sin in your life, God, forgive me, I commit myself to sexual holiness. Do that today and watch God do wonders in your life, bring happiness and satisfaction, and live a God-honoring life where we are light in this world. Amen?